everyone, and welcome to It's Morbin Time, the number one Morbius podcast on the internet. I'm Cassidy, and uh, stand back. I'm beginning to morb. Oh, yes, Cassidy is now my best friend. Well, rude. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, uh, fuck Jared Leto. If anything good has come out of Morbius, it is that meme. The whole, the whole, there's the manga page. I think it's an edited version of a page from Chainsaw Man. It's, it's a guy and a girl in a movie theater and they're watching what looks like to be a very shitty movie. One of the panels is Jared Leto's face and he's saying, staring back, I'm beginning to morb. I don't know what's so funny about it, just but it gets me every time. I think the original thing of the meme was somebody tweeting out, my favorite part about Morbius was the time he said, it's Morbin time, and then morbed all over those guys. <laughs> uh, I think the best thing that come to come out of Morbius is the fact that there is a Morbius-flavored G Fuel for all the gamers in the crowd. Uh, I have not seen the movie and I have no intention of ever seeing it. I just, here's the thing is that I probably will see it when it is on a streaming service that I do not have to pay additional money to view it on. Yeah. It doesn't really deserve your, your dollars folks. It's no, garbage. I am not going to pay $20 for the benefit of watching Morbius in my own home. The benefit. I believe you mean detriment. Yeah, that's that's probably more accurate, yes. They should pay you $20 to watch Morbius. You know what? If they paid me $20 to watch Morbius, I would. For sure. I will do so many things for $20. She would. She's very mercenary like that. Writes this down. In any case, this is a Common Writer podcast. Welcome, everyone. Yeah, this is Common Writer AA. Mm-hmm. Today we watched and are recapping episode 11 of Common Rider 01. Don't stop the camera, stop him! Which has a different name in like the actual footage that I watched from the Shout Factory version. Yeah, when it showed the title, like the, the, the title card, it had a different name. I did not write it down, but it did say something. It's like the same concept, but like more verbose. Uh, well, yeah, don't stop the camera, stop him. Aired November 17th, 2019, written by Masaya Kakehi, and directed by Shojiro Nakazawa. You know, there is a common Rider quiz thing that in not, well, our episode of Amazon's, Adam did it. Cassidy, would you like to take the five-question common Rider timed quiz? All right, so now are you ready for the timed common Rider quiz? Sure. What is the name of the U.S. series Saban Entertainment adapted from Common Rider Black RX? Mast Rider? Mast Rider. Okay. It's Mast Rider. What was, this, what was adapted into the U.S. show Common Rider Dragonite? Common Rider Kiva? Common Rider V3? Common Rider Ryuki? Or Common Rider Ghost? Believe that is Ryuki. Correct. The first Common Rider series premiered in Japan in what Japanese historical period? Edo? Taisho, Heisei, or Showa? Oh, God. Um, I want to say Showa. Correct. Which iteration of the series had the most episodes? Kamen Rider Wizard, Kamen Rider Build, Kamen Rider Blade, or Original Kamen Rider? Oh, um... 
I'm going to say it's probably like a weird choice, like Kamen Rider Wizard. Wrong. It was the original Kamen Rider, which had like 100 episodes. Yeah, okay. I, did, I was wondering if it was going to be a case of where the... Oh, sorry, this is time, so I need to... What is the name of the villainous organization in the original Kamen Rider series? Dogma Kingdom, Destron, Shocker, or Government of Darkness? Shocker. Correct. That was four out of five. Congratulations. Not bad for someone who has yet to watch an entire season of Common Rider. Alright. Well, that was a fun distraction. So, the episode starts with Roby uploading Assassin's memories slash backup data, I guess, into a new body for him after he was blown up last time. Hirobi congratulates Assassin on perfecting his combat techniques after working with Oweda. Jin walks up and complains that Assassin was attacking a Humagear that was supposed to be turned into a Magia, but Hirobi seems to regard that incident as an indicator that Assassin's growth has outpaced Jin's. His programming is supposed to be turn the Humagears into Magia, but he was like, no, I'm going to kill this Humagear, which shows that Unlike Jin, he can go past his programming now. Assassin gives a smug look as Jin pouts. Hirobi then assigns a new target to Assassin, Shinya Owada. After the OP, Aruto and Owada are talking in the dressing room. Aruto is trying to personally appeal to Owada to continue in his role for the Hidden Back TV series. As Hirobi sneaks onto the set, Iwata again explains that Angie's performance lacks quote-unquote human depth and that a machine can't really be an actor. Aruto gives a pretty good counter-argument in which he says that while Humagears may indeed be machines, they learn from their interactions with humans and will respond in kind to earnestness. I, I really like that. I like that. I, I like the idea that what they're presenting is that you get what you take out of it. Like what you give to human gears is what they become. It's just a nice sentiment. And actually made me think about Yu-Gi-Oh! Because uh, back in the OG manga, they actually defined the heart of the cards as exactly this. When you put care and passion into something, it responds and gives back to you. Arto admits that the production is partially about recouping the company's reputation, but Arto personally wants to show the world the potential of Humagears. The world is going to see something about Humagears for sure. This episode is a lot tougher to watch after knowing if you know what's going to happen in the end. We then cut to Enji wondering aloud why his performance was no good. Hirobi walks in and produces an extinction key with a menacing smirk. Arto is continuing to talk to Owada. He alludes to the time that his life was saved by his Humagear dad, and he asks Owada to believe in Enji and in Humagears one more time. Enji steps out onto the film set. He drops his script, and we see that he's wearing an extinction belt, and he has red eyes. This is just a really bad timing for Arto. It's like, yeah, just believe in the Humagears. They're, you know, dream machines that... Give what we put into them. Ten seconds later, oh god, Engie's killing everyone on set. Yep, he steps onto set, he drops his script. Engie declares that he'll render humanity extinct. He transforms into the Arsino Magia. It's got two big old horns. 
It's an extinct elephant relative, though they look a lot like a two-horned rhinoceri. I thought it was some sort of beetle, so until right now. <laughs> Yua, who is on set as well, henshins into lightning hornet form. That actually makes a lot of sense, because that does give her the power of three common riders. And, f- and flight, while the Arsino ha- apparently has zero anti-air capabilities. But she cannot fly until they get the fight outside. Also, it's a rhinoceros. Rhinoceri don't fly. It's more. It's closer to elephants than rhinoceri. Well, elephants yeah. also don't fly. They, they are notoriously weak to flying attacks. Notoriously incapable of flight. Uh, the Arsino has a pretty nasty charge attack, but it's... It doesn't really give Valkyrie that much trouble. Arto gets a p- call from someone who is probably Izu telling him about another Magia. He then rushes out to help Valkyrie against the Arsino. However, Valkyrie is doing pretty well as she takes to the air and launches a salvo of bees at the Magia, since the Magia can't really do anything about an airborne op- opponent. Zero One enters the fray in biting shark form as Hirobi walks up in his own common rider form. Hirobi unfolds his attache arrow and they start trading blows. I love the fight between Hirobi and Aruto because Hirobi is just better. Like so far, he I don't think he's taken a single real hit in any of his fights. Like haven't had many, but so far he's just untouchable. It's even more noticeable in the the other fight later uh, because of just how little and how like very like exact Hirobi's movements are. Except for the time he decides to just lay on the like lay against the railing of the stairs like some sort of a playboy model. Yeah, I'm mostly thinking about the second fight for sure, but it is very like, oh, yeah, wow. He is unbothered by this fight. Valkyrie delivers her finisher against the Arsino. Thunder, lightning, blast fever. Yep. She takes to the air, launches a bunch of rapid-fire shots from her shot riser, and then destroys him with a Mega Man or Metroid-style charge shot. Yep. As the Arsino explodes and the key goes flying, she swipes it out of the air, and Hirobi just kind of walks away. Zero One takes particular note of Engie being destroyed. So I pulled up the stats for Common Rider Hirobi and Common Rider Zero One. Uh, Wait, they're actual stat books. Yeah, it gives punching power, kicking power, jump height, and maximum running speed. I have a question: Is Lightning Hornet canonically three times stronger than All right, I'll Valkyrie? Pull, I'll pull that one up as well. Because if it's not, then all of those numbers are wrong. All right, here's Rushing Cheetah. Punching power, 11 tons. Kicking power, 28.5 tons. Maximum jump jump height, 19.2 meters. Maximum running speed, 100 meters per 2.1 seconds. Lightning Hornet. Punching power, 9.7 tons. Kicking power, 20 tons. Maximum jump height, 28.1 meters. And maximum running speed, 100 meters per 4.0 seconds. It sounds like it's worse. It does sound like it's worse. I mean, I guess its power comes from its flight and energy capabilities. Like, it's not physically more powerful, but it's technologically more powerful. Uh, I don't know. It said 300% more powerful. 
But so Hirobi has a punching power of 13.5, a kicking power of 32.7, a jump height of 15.5 meters, and a maximum running speed of 100 meters per 3.5 seconds. Aruto in uh, Let's Go Biting Shark, because that's what he was in, has a punching power of 8.1 tons, a kicking power of 42.1 tons, a maximum jump height of 17.8, and a maximum running speed of 100 meters per 4.6 seconds. So they're actually relatively comparable in physical stats, but Hirobi is still wiping the floor with him. The only thing Hirobi is really more powerful at is punching strength. Uh, Anywho, Arto walks into the film set that has just been utterly laid to ruins, and he kind of mournfully picks up a burnt copy of the script as Owada looks on. You can see, like, the burned signature of uh, NG. It was a neat little detail. I didn't notice my first time through, but yeah, Owada and NG both have autographed scripts because probably what you do. You autograph the scripts, then sell them off. Elsewhere, Yua hands the Arsino key over to Zaya's CEO, and she asks how he knew that Metsubo Jinrai would be using extinction keys. That seems like a, a strange question, because that's all they've ever really used so far. Well, how how did he know in the beginning that's that that's what they would use? Because like because uh, Hirobi he uses a regular progress key. He doesn't use an extinction key. The CEO man just kind of responds that the metaphorical script they're going off of could use some more excitement. Next, Aruto is sitting in a meeting room with HI's top brass. Fukuzoe says that they'll need to pull the plug on the show since they lost their two lead actors and that Aruto will have to take responsibility for this. And I must note, This is pretty damn unfair of Fukuzoe, considering that between fighting off the attacks on the set and personally appealing to Iwata, Arto has done his damnedest to hold the production together. I think the weirdest part about Fukuzoe comes at the end of this scene, Um, but we'll get there. Also, also, uh, Sanzo Yamashita, his crony, is like, Aren't you the something director? What was it that he was? The executive producer. Yeah, executive producer. The role that technically doesn't really do anything it's just then that a water walks in he tells aruto that they're not too different as acting is what saved our awada's life he goes on to say that he's willing to put his faith in human gears and an ng for the purposes of the show i have to wonder how acting saved awada's life like i'm sure it's a metaphor but like i like to imagine it's literal he literally he did say that like he had like nothing going for him. He was like down on his luck and then he started acting and his life turned around. It would be like a suicidal person finding themselves in painting. Yeah, like he just took an audition out on a whim maybe and he got accepted and Yeah, then he ended up on the set of Ant Assassin and it was like I was home. I, I, I will say, though, I want to imagine that his life was literally saved by acting, that like he was in the middle of like some sort of gang shootout and like acted his way out of it. Anyways, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm ready to trust NG with this. And Arthur's like, well, um, we'd have to start entirely from scratch with NG. He did get exploded. 
Awada says that he'll personally train another NG in acting. Yeah, he's like kind of like, oh, that's actually better because now I can teach him how to act. Everyone knows those idiots in Hollywood don't know what they're doing. You hear about this guy, Chris Pratt? It's a me, Mario. What is this shit? (laughs) How dare they steal Mario from us? Morbius, come on. Get out of here. This gives Aruto the second wind he needs to resume production, even though Fukuzoe tries leveraging his executive producer card against all this. Yeah, so my, this is the weird part, is that Fukuzoe is like, oh, we're going to have to cancel the show, and we're going to have to take the heat for it. And now they're like, no, the show that is good for the company could still happen. And he's like, no, I just said it was canceled. Like, I get that you want Aruto to take some heat for something, but... This was literally your idea to do the show, as far as I can tell. And, like, it's good for the company. Why are you so adamant about it being cancelled, you fool? It does feel a little out of character for Fukuzoe now. Because, like, he, he has, like, put things aside for the good of the company before. Like, with uh, talking about Daybreak Town and stuff. And, like, I, and I did feel like the... Uh, Entrust, entrusting that life, the episode with the hospitals. I, 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 I thought that was really like a turning point, but no, he's still dick. But only to Aruto. Only to Aruto. Filming resumes on a rooftop as Fuwa and some Ames grunts continue serving as security. Hey, so when Ng is at the beginning of the scene, uh, he has little green symbols next to his human gear ears. Yeah. What? Well, what was the? Do we know what the deal was with that? No idea. I just wanted to point it out because it's the first time I've seen them. I've seen like other symbols, you know, that we've seen them in other scenes, but I think this is the first time we've seen a green one. Uh, we have seen the green one once before when a Humagear was booting up in his passionate manga path. Yeah, they were booting NG up, I guess. Which, like, on one hand, you know, good to like show, like, yeah, that's a new NG, so they're just booting him up. On the other, that makes no sense that they're going straight into shooting with this. With this NG that probably has incomplete data from the original. Yeah. And you know what? It still makes sense, though, if that's the case. Because during the scenes where they are shooting the, the scene, he does feel a lot more, like, rookie about the acting. In a way that's different from the um, the previous episode. While filming is starting, Yua approaches Aruto and asks him to come with her to some place. They drive over to Zaya Enterprises HQ as Yua explains that Zaya is a massive conglomerate dealing in numerous tech-oriented fields. It's also who she works for. Arto recalls that Zaya once collaborated with Hidan Intelligence on Humagear-related projects. I think he's referencing Daybreak Town, but yeah, because uh, because they like Zaya's name was the only other one in big text in Daybreak Town. Although I will never forget Fly Second, my beloved. And he notes that Zaya is many times bigger than H.I. As they walk into Zaya's building, Yua finally comes out and says that she just works for Zaya and that her involvement with Ames is basically her being on loan to them as a technical advisor. Which explains why Yua immediately went to, is this about Ames? I think it was last episode when confronting her about... Uh, about the footage that she leaked, yeah. See, I guess, like, Ames is a government organization, and she's just a civilian contractor. 
which kind of explains why no one ever listens to her because like she's not the boss of them. Anyways, Aruto meets the boss. Yua leads Aruto to her boss's office, and we finally get a proper introduction to Zaya's CEO. His name is Guy Amatsu. He's got a hollow deck office. Exactly. The office ships around like much like a hollow deck would. Guy and Aruto exchange business cards. Guy gives him a paper card as Aruto sends a digital copy from his rice phone. So, uh, uh, Guy Amatsu's actor is uh, Nachi Saku- Sakuragi. And he actually auditioned for Aruto and Fuwa. I could see him being a Fuwa. And uh, he apparently was a big fan of Kamen Rider as a kid. His uh, his favorite being Kamen Rider Fives. And he took inspiration from Masato Kusaka from that series for his portrayal as, of, as Gaiamatsu. Which for y'all means nothing. For anyone who, under, who knows about Kusaka and Gai... It makes too much sense. Anyways, he's like, hey, Aruto, sell Hiden to me. They sit down for some tea, and Guy just outright tells Aruto that he'd like to purchase Hiden intelligence. He's a straight shooter. I like that man. We get a quick cut back to the rooftop film set as the TV series continues being filmed. Awada stands in front of NG. While they're filming, they're, this is the scene they're filming, I should note. But Awada stands in front of NG as a man with a gun threatens him. The man pulls the trigger and we cut back to the meeting. Awada's like, I'm the only one that can save you. Which, is that meant to, is that meant to be a play on Aruto's catchphrase, the, I'm the only one that can defeat you is me? It could be. Aruto asks Guy to elaborate on this offer and Guy just says that the sooner they can come to an agreement, the better it will be for H.I. I love how shifty Guy is. He's just, he, he's nev- he, he does nothing without a million percent sleaze. He's 1,000% a sleaze, Paul. He's like, I'm sure there's a, a trope name for this or something that you can find on TV, TV tropes, but he's like the young CEO who's super suave and confident, but also is incredibly shady. He's like Rufus Shinra. If, if you're familiar with FF7. Back at the film set, Awada falls over and the director yells, Cut! The director compliments the performance, but Awada does not stand up. The actor who was playing the character who shot Awada examines his gun and he almost panics. But the camera ships over to show that Assassin has fired his own gun at Awada. That begs the question of how no one saw Assassin walk up to them. They were all focused on Owada, Owada's fantastic acting. It's because Little Assassin is really good at his job. He is very good at his job. He watched And Assassin ten times. He played Hitman 3 all the way through. <laughs> he played the entire trilogy. Uh, I will also say... Um, Imagine what a roller coaster of horribleness that must have been for Awada. Like, he sees his apprentice there. It's like, my apprentice, he came to cheer me on after hearing that the production was back on track. Then his apprentice pulls out a gun and shoots him. Yeah. And he wore the wig, too, so Awada would definitely recognize him as such. Do you think... I mean, I feel like that's not what he would be thinking to begin with, because in the last episode, Little Assassin did kill Engie on set. 
he attacked, but I don't think Owada wasn't there, and I don't think anyone would have thought to tell him. You're telling me people on the production staff wouldn't have been like, wow, I can't believe that human year guy doesn't fucking murdered Enji. First of all, he didn't murder Enji. He tried. Second of all, like he would. There's no reason for Awada to have seen a picture of it or like them to be like, hey, here's the exact description of this uh, human gear that showed up and went. They would have had it on tape. They have cameras. They weren't rolling. Hmm. Once again, that was a wig. I thought that was a beanie. It looked like a beanie to me. I think this time he was not wearing the wig from last episode. I think he was wearing a hat this time. I'd have to rewatch it. Slightly different disguise. Assassin says learning complete. Master defeated. He has apparently reached the apex of what his machine learning allows, or at least whatever Awada can teach him. Fua hears the commotion and heads over. He intercepts Assassin and they both transform. Assassin's Dodo Magia form has gotten a noticeable upgrade at this point. Called the Dodo Magia Custom. Ah, oh, just like Gundam. Arto runs up to the film set. The director tells him that a Humagear shot Owada and that Humagears are merely killing machines. Oh, also, I want to point out that in this episode, you can extremely see Little Assassin's little hair color. Get the little, little poof of pink. Hirobi smugly walks up and says that this is the start of a revolution since Humagear has for reals killed a human. Well, almost. Except not later on, yeah. I think that would be too much for the time slot to have somebody been, sh- been shot with an actual gun and die on screen. Arto is enraged and he henshines into Zero One as Hirobi also goes into his rider form. The, the little robot animals fight for a second. Vulcan and the Dodo are fighting as well. The Dodo has a few new tricks up his sleeve in the form of some chest-mounted machine guns and some floaty grenades that he kind of knocks over with his swords over at Vulcan. They then explode an event and force Fuwa out of the henshin. Also, his gun breaks. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, his his uh, his rise gun. Attache shotgun. No, not not that one. The, the one that he uses to henshin. It hits the ground and just, like, explodes into pieces. The shot riser? I didn't notice that. Yeah, the, the, all the blue parts of the shot riser just come flying off the moment it hits the ground. So we won't see Fuwa in his rider form for a while, I guess. Also, the uh, Fuwa attempts to use like the attaché shotgun with punching Kong, and it does nothing. Like it does more damage to Fuwa than it does to Assassin. Zero One and Hirobi are also fighting. Zero One barely tanks a shot from Hirobi's attaché arrow, and he calls down the breaking mammoth mech. Zero One lands a breaking impact on Hirobi, the whole ride-a-giant progress key down onto the target like you would a meteor or something. But when the dust clears, we see that Hirobi's scorpion robot has blocked the hit. Fucking love Hirobi so much. Also, yeah, I can't believe Aruto just escalated the situation. The Power Rangers would be disappointed. Hey, what sort of don't know, don't hurt him. Hirobi sort of does a whip sword slash at the breaking mammoth mech and sort of kicks up enough dust for him to leave unimpeded. As he says, humanity is faded. 
The dodo also leaves while finishing the sentence with, For destruction. A little while after, there is a public news broadcast about what just happened. Famous actor Shinya Iwata was shot by a Hiden manufactured Himagir. And while Iwata is expected to recover, both Ames and the Metropolitan Police have opened an investigation into Hiden intelligence. God, like, this is so good. Like, I... Th- the hero's lost. Like, this is a giant loss with no real... Yeah, there's no silver lining except for uh, the creation of the mysterious progress key. Yeah, and Arto doesn't even say a funny joke. Arto ruminates in his office. We flash back to the rest of the meeting that he had with Guy. Guy tells Arto that if he's, a, if he's still uncertain about selling H.I., you should return to the film set where an emergency is about to take place. So good. He's just such a dick. As Arto sits in his office, the fabricator in the side room receives instructions from Zaya and begins creating what looks like a new progress key. And that's the episode. Uh, I'm going to say this is my favorite progress. This is going to be my favorite progress key and form until like the very end of the show i know what it is because i have looked at the merchandise and watched the next time on because i've been thinking oh maybe i should buy some progress keys you should i should i agree so yeah we're moving on to our ratings uh actually i would like to do one of our uh, bits a little early the one where i give cassidy a progress key and she gets to say the thing because it doesn't happen on the show I'm giving you Sparkling Giraffe. Oh, a Sparkling Giraffe. <clears throat> Pro Grise! Muscle Voltage! Sparking Giraffe! Bursting sparks fly at full force. So it sounds like a power set like Dazzler from the X-Men. The defense of the neck area is enhanced due to embodying the abilities of a giraffe. A high-capacity battery is installed in the chest and connected to each part of the body, allowing Zero-One to execute attacks with electricity. Not only that, the horns of the giraffe function as electrodes, allowing Zero-One to execute an electric headbutt. This form's finisher is Sparking Impact. He's got taser fists and a Sailor Jupiter headband. (laughs) I like the little, I like the way that the spots are integrated, but not by having spots on the armor, but by having spots where the armor doesn't exist. Okay, yeah, I could get behind that. I'm a fan. Well, we're moving on to our ratings, everyone. Starting with Rider of the Week, this is the aspect of the production or the character that each of us felt had the best showing. And I'm giving mine to Aruto. I really respected how he was the one holding the TV series together. I also I also really like it when a hero gets sped up with a villain's bullshit and goes crazy and well not crazy but gets incredibly enraged in response. That's always a good time. Uh little assassin. Th- this has been his arc. Yeah, little assassin's pretty good. I'm a big fan of little assassin. Um I think if I'm not going to give it to little assassin, I'm going to give it to Hirobi. All right, so who should I write down, Hirobi or little assassin? Um, you know what? Actually, I'm going to say Hirobi because I really just noticed, especially in the second fight, um, where it's Aruto versus Hirobi on the roof while it's uh, Fuwa versus Dodo on the ground. 
Hirobi in that fight specifically, I just like really noticed how his fighting style is so much different than like Aruto's or Fua's. And it's very, very satisfying to watch, especially in that fight. By the way, fun fact, this is the first episode since episode six that Jin hasn't transformed into Kamen Rider Jin. It's also one of the first episodes that does not have a funny joke by Aruto. It's because this episode's just a complete loss, and I love it. Like, every, every single character failed at everything, and the bad guys are closing in. I could get a Sparking Giraffe progress key for about $40. Four zero? That seems like a... I guess that'd be a decent price for a collectible. So It, it like depends on how you do it, because, like... I'm seeing it as much as like $60 with free shipping. The cheapest one that I'm looking at is about $20 plus another $20 of shipping. All right, everyone, if you want to support uh, Cassidy getting the Sparking Giraffe progress key, make sure to subscribe to our Patreon. We don't have one. Fuck. I, you could just listen to all our episodes over and over again on repeat. I, I guess that'd give us money, but... Eh. I don't see any of that. <laughs> I mean, neither do I. I think Adam's... Ho- Te- Wait, who is getting that money? Adam, are you getting the money from our ads? I do have it. I do have the Stripe account linked to my bank account, but all we've made so far is about $10. Give me my $3, you bitch. <laughs> okay, okay. Do you know how many okay. chicken nuggets I could buy with that? About 10 Yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay, I'll I'll Venmo you money at some point. At some <laughs> point. <laughs> the people with the money are always the ones most afraid to give it away. Yes. Anyway, uh, we're moving on to Tarot Corner. This is where I assign a major or minor arcana tarot card to events depicted in the episode or to a character in the episode that... I feel resonates with the card's symbolic meaning. So I'm actually giving temperance to Awada. In this context in particular, temperance would represent an acceptance of others. Awada being able to adjust his philosophy toward acting in order to work with NG, I think is pretty emblematic of this. Uh, I'm going to do my own tarot corner, and I'm going to give this entire episode the tower because everything's going to shit. That's true. The tower represents impending disaster. Now it's time for everybody's favorite segment. That's how you know it's double A. Double A. Uh, Cassidy, you go first. Okay, mine's bad. That's what we're here for. Why did the Arsino Magia have so many HR complaints filed against him? I don't know. Why did the Arsino Magia have so many HR complaints filed against him? Because he was too horny. That that joke was too bad. I need to place you under arrest. But don't stop the recording. Stop them. And that was my joke. I could get a Lightning Hornet progress key for $25 from Canada. Sorry, $26 from Canada. That is worth three other progress keys. That's true. Shh. <laughs> God, I, I can't remember which of us started the joke as it is now, me? but you, that was probably you. It's so good. It was either me or it was you, and I think it might have been me. 
But if someone corrects me on that, I will gladly give up the credit. I'll re-listen to those episodes and give us another couple cents for chicken nuggets. I know it wasn't me. I'm not capable of making jokes with such staying power. For about $32, I could get a uh, the Common Rider double progress key that exists. Because they have progress keys by a bunch of different Common uh, Rider series. Yeah, they've been doing... They do that for the different... Like, progress keys... Uh, uh, fuck, I just suddenly can't remember. Uh, icons... The Gaia memories, I know had a couple. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to episode ratings. Full bottles, that's what they were called. I was trying to remember the uh, Comrade or Build ones. They were full bottles. Uh, for 33 US dollars, I could get a Progrise key holder that I could equip to my belt, and then also the Russian Cheetah Progrise key. Alright, what if each of us get a different like part of a of a Kamen Rider Zero One cosplay? So that was kind of like different people holding the key to uh or the keys to the map to find luke skywalker so that way only together do we have the power the sequel trilogy was good up until rise of skywalker i just you just bummed me out again anna uh let's see shot riser plus uh belt plus progress key for i believe that's shooting wolf yeah seventy dollars with free shipping from Japan on eBay. The elevation increases as the bullet is fired. All right. Episode ratings. Uh, I'm just going to give this one a 10. I love this episode. I don't think there's really a weak point to it. I love that this is the heroes completely failing on all counts. I love the, in, the full introduction of Zaya as an antagonist. <laughs> Like getting more information on Yua's relationship with Zaya, getting Assassin Chan's Dodo custom. I love this episode. Uh, actually, I'm looking at the the toy prop here for the uh, for the shot riser. I think maybe the shot riser did not explode when it hit the ground. I think the progress key came out of it because it is all black on one side by default. At least if the toy is anything to judge on, which it should be, because all the toys look like the items. That's the whole point of Tokusatsu. It it's probably still complete or still in one piece, because they probably would have done like a dramatic zoom on it yeah. if it had broken. Yeah, I th- I think it is the case of when it hit the ground, the progress key just came flying out of it. So, what is your episode rating, Cassidy? Um, I'll give it uh, a seven and a half. It was fine. You know, I liked the fights in it, but it was like it was mostly just the fights in it that were good to me. Like I feel like they dropped the ball on the Owada stuff at least so far, um, especially in this episode because like not much got to come of it. I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten. We finally have an introduction to Gaia Matsu, who I think is going to be a sort of love to hate kind of villain. The stakes have gotten higher for Aruto as Hidden Intelligence is under even greater scrutiny. So yeah, good times all around. We're only like 11 episodes of 48. Yeah, I believe we had 48. It was supposed to be more like the sequel movie to it is is like stuff they wanted to do in the show. But because of COVID happening and reducing the number of episodes, they ended up having to scrap some plot lines for the movie, which is kind of sad. But the movie's really good. I believe that brings us to the end of this episode of Kamen Rider Double A, everyone. 
All right, then. So guy, gal, slash non-binary pal, uh, do y'all have something to present to the class? Approximately two weeks ago, at the time that you may be hearing this, I was on a charity stream uh, raising money for, see, Fund Texas Choice, uh, you know, for uh, the cost of abortions and allowing people out of state to get them and stuff like that. Part of like a, it's like a two day streaming event. I'm I'm part of it. I have my fiance Charlie's part of it. Uh, James D'Amato from One Shot is part of it. You might have heard you might have heard of that guy. It's it's too late to watch the stream live, but you can go check out the vods. I guess it's on the Clever Corvid YouTube channel, and you can still donate to the charity, which uh, again was fund Texas Choice. As for the show, for this show as a whole, you could find us on Twitter at double underscore common. Uh, what uh, what else? As for me personally, you could find me at Pokemon Primeval. It's another podcast I do. It's a actual play tabletop RPG podcast where we posit what the world of Pokemon may be like, what it's been like, or what it is like across different eras, ranging from Sengoku era, Kanto, and Johto, all the way to the post-apocalypse. We use different tabletop RPG systems to sort of explore these these eras and we'd very much appreciate it if you come check us out cho hen sheep